Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister speaks out about the actions of some protesters. It is extremely uh, concerning to see people endangering their own lives and the lives of others by trying to interfere with with the trains. But uh, again, we are continuing to work very hard to resolve this. The Conservatives want the House Ethics Committee to look into a report that found the Prime Minister broke conflict of interest rules in the SNC-Lavalin scandal. There are very pressing things happening in the country right now with the protests, with the coronavirus. This is, frankly, a partisan distraction, and I think the Conservatives should just park it. And a parliamentary committee will decide today whether to hear from hereditary chiefs from the Wet'suwet'en First Nation. What's not clear is whether either the Liberals, who have the largest number of members, or the Conservatives on the committee will vote to call the chiefs as witnesses. Either voting bloc will be necessary if the motion's to pass. It's Thursday, February 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. John, thank you for being with us. Hello, Mark. So let's talk about this meeting today between the federal government, the British Columbia government, and the hereditary chiefs from Wet'suwet'en. What do you expect to come from that today? Well, I don't think they're going to be immediately productive. I mean, we're talking about some pretty big issues here around indigenous land, indigenous titles, and that doesn't get settled overnight. I think what would be probably wise is that they at least agree to uh, stop all construction, keep the RCMP off the land. So there's a a bit of a cooling off period while they discuss these longer, broader term issues. I'm kind of surprised, actually, that the Trudeau government hasn't brought up the, the thing that's in the background and really the nub of this issue, which is the, uh, the recognition of, of indigenous rights, of indi- indigenous title, that uh, were the, the basis for, the, for the, the plan which Trudeau said he was going to bring forward two years ago, a rights and recognition framework. Um, they haven't resurrected that talk at all. In Parliament, there was mention made of the fact that they will bring in, by the end of the year, legislation that uh, gives form to UNRIP, this UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, which addresses some of the issues which the Wet'suwet'en and hereditary chiefs want to talk about. Uh, but really, the government hasn't given um, Canadians any idea of how they plan to move forward on this file. After Jody Wilson-Raybould left the government, this thing has been kind of dead. And, uh, and it would seem to me it would be wise to while on the one hand say you're enforcing law and order, on the other hand say but we acknowledge there are legitimate grievances here and we intend to address them through X, Y and Z. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister yesterday said he found the actions of uh, some of the protesters at uh, in Belleville to be extremely concerning. Um, he's in the last week become more critical of the behavior of some people uh, when he called for patience before. Uh, what do you think is behind this change in tone and what do you think is uh, behind the Prime Minister's message here? Well, I think what's behind the change in tone is public opinion and it's clear that public opinion is hardening. Uh, there was an Ipsos poll for Global News which suggested that um, support for Enforcing injunctions has gone up 10% in the last week. And I'm sure after people see those pictures from yesterday, they, uh, there will be even more support for, for um, police action because, they, you know, lighting fires on rail lines where there are trains going over which may or may not have F-16 
flammable material clearly is inflammable. So I think that um, I think that the Prime Minister has read the tea leaves, he's read the opinion polls, and you know it's not inconsistent that, that Canadians call for stronger enforcement of law and order, but also are agreeable to and in favour of reconciliation with Indigenous Canadians. So, it, again, I think that, to make my original point again, I think that there's a twin track that should be being followed here. And it surprises me that they're not doing more on the reconciliation front. But uh, but as far as Trudeau's comments on extremely cons- being extremely concerned, uh, who wouldn't be in seeing some of the, the, the pictures that we've seen in the last few days? All right, let's turn to SNC-Lavalin, which we've not talked about in a long time, but the Conservatives are asking the House Ethics Committee to look into the Prime Minister's behaviour around this controversy. Uh, obviously, they're they're hoping to, to make news again with SNC-Lavalin, which was a dominant story last year. Do you think they'll be successful? Well, I saw that the Liberal MP Greg Ferguson said that Canadians don't want parliamentarians looking back in the rearview mirror, and I think he's right on that. Um, you know, Canadians had their chance to to uh, to whack Justin Trudeau at the ballot box in October, and while to some extent they did, you know, he returned with a minority rather than a majority. I think for most people, this issue is is dead. You know, there are very pressing things happening in the country right now with the, the protests, with the coronavirus, and this is frankly a partisan distraction. And I think the Conservatives. All right, let's turn to uh, some news from uh, Statistics Canada that uh, the number one reason people who didn't vote in the 2019 federal election chose not to is that they're not interested in politics. That's the, that's the answer a plurality gave. Uh, that was the most common answer. Uh, what do you make of that? I, I guess it's not a big surprise, but, uh, but uh, there is still, no matter how much we talk about politics every day, there is still a constituency in this country that doesn't take an interest. Right. I mean, you know, frankly, Pope wears a pointy hat. I mean, you know, it's kind of self-evident that if he didn't vote, they're probably not interested. It didn't greatly surprised me. Um, you know, I mean, I think that uh, it would be more concerning if the turnout rate had been lower. I mean, it was 67% in the last election, uh, which is relatively in keeping. Well, it was interesting that the Statistics Canada survey suggested 77% had voted. People... 10% of the population reported that they voted when they right. didn't. So that was kind of a little bit. Yeah. It's like, the, it's like the big sporting event where uh, where more people say they were there than could fit in the building, right? They're, they're right. Uh, only right. 23% of Canadians said they didn't vote, but but we know how many didn't. I mean, I can't imagine that, that, that the results of this would have been too different down the years. You know, a number of people were too busy. There were people out of town or they were ill or they just didn't care. So, yeah, I think that that's pretty consistent with, with what we've seen. But the, the number that's obviously always more concerning is whether that uh, turnout number veers below 60%, which it did uh, from memory one time recently. It wasn't yeah. 2015, but maybe 2011. Yeah. 
Um, all right, let's talk about uh, the Conservative Party. By the way, it's worth mentioning that today's the deadline day for people to, uh, for this, the next milestone in the leadership race for people to, to make the, the a commitment, uh, those who want to be the next Conservative leader. Uh, but as well, there's some, some internal debate going on about this Buffalo Decla- Declaration around uh, Alberta independence. Uh, what do you make of that? It's very strange, to be honest. I mean, I don't think many of the Conservative caucus would disagree with the findings that uh, that um, Alberta's been kind of treated badly by Confederation in, in recent years. There's never been an equal participant in Confederation, and they recommend a whole bunch of structural and policy solutions to improve the, the, the province's standing. I think most Conservative MPs would sympathize with that. But the way it was done, it was I mean, it seemed to me, frankly, it was a vanity project for Michelle Rempel-Garner. She seems to be the main driver behind this thing. She seems to have got three other Conservative MPs to sign on to it. But there are members of the Conservative caucus, particularly the Alberta caucus, who are upset that it wasn't, there wasn't more consultation and that the Alberta caucus caucus didn't have any input into it. I mean, it would seem to be lacking in strategic thoughts to stick this thing out there when it was basically news to most of the people who would be expected to then promote it or endorse it. Um, Not a very wise move. I mean, I think if this had been adopted by the entire caucus and everybody had signed it, it's potentially a... uh, uh, a, a legitimate and maybe a, even important initiative. I mean, it's something that the, if the Conservative Party could get behind, then they may be able to make changes. But I think at the moment, when there's internal divisions within the party, it's not going to achieve what it tried to achieve. All right, John, great to have your comments on all of this today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. We're hoping for uh, a resolution soon. We're continuing to work as we have over the past weeks. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacorte argues Justin Trudeau is marooned in a political no-man's land. Delacorte writes, Hope and fear are the most powerful emotions in politics. Unfortunately, Justin Trudeau hasn't found himself in a position to dispense much of either through the past few weeks. If Canadians are feeling any slivers of hope right now, it's mostly of the negative sort. Hope for an end to the Indigenous blockades. Hope that Canada escapes a global pandemic. And hope that the economy and the environment aren't ravaged by global or domestic threats. In Maclean's, Heidi Matthews argues, Andrew Scheer and Peter McKay are turning to civil rights-era racial stereotypes. Matthews writes, In attempts to whip up public hostility, both Andrew Scheer and Peter McKay are seeking to delegitimize the involvement of non-Indigenous protesters. The figure of the rabble-rouser who penetrates the boundaries of local communities was central to the race-baiting rhetoric deployed against civil rights protesters in the 1960s. Now, Scheer and McKay's statements have brought this pernicious discourse to Canada. In the Globe and Mail, Stephen Legault argues Jason Kenney is failing to walk the talk on the energy transition. Legault writes, At his second throne speech in a year, Jason Kenney decided to deliver a speech that would have been right for 1967, the heyday of Alberta's oil sands development. Not a single word of it suggested that he is genuinely prepared to invest in Alberta's future. The longer he waits to signal an investment in renewable energy and the economic growth it will spark, 
the harder it will be for him to adjust the direction of the province. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. A parliamentary committee will decide today whether to hear from hereditary chiefs from the Wet'suwet'en First Nation. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, the House of Commons Committee on Indigenous and Northern Affairs will meet today at 11 a.m. Eastern, and the first item of business will be whether or not to call before the committee as witnesses the hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en, who are opposed to the coastal gas link natural gas pipeline being constructed across their territory. Now, the request to hear from the chiefs, who are now at the centre of what's become a national standoff with blockades and protests across the country, the request was first put to the committee by the Bloc Québécois member on the committee. The opposition NDP member on the committee is also in favour of hearing from the chiefs. What's not clear is whether either the Liberals, who have the largest number of members, or the Conservatives on the committee will vote to call the chiefs as witnesses. Either voting bloc will be necessary if the motion's to pass. In any case, we will know by about noon today if that parliamentary committee will be hearing from the chiefs on a very important matter. Thanks, Martin. Also coming up today, Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan will give the opening keynote address at the Canadian Nuclear Association's annual conference in Ottawa. And in a teleconference, Fisheries Minister Bernadette Jordan and Transport Minister Marc Garneau will make an announcement on measures to protect North Atlantic right whales. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, February the 27th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.